the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, my online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and Today, we're preparing for an important solar eclipse that's happening, uh, will be fully visible from much of North America and many other parts of the world, and I thought you might enjoy just listening in to the ambling, unstructured conversation it led my husband Ruben and I to have over breakfast this morning. Cucumber water. Mm-hmm, Let's delicious. touch. <laughs> Tomorrow is a big solar eclipse, important in the sense that it's going to be a nearly complete eclipse of the sun in most of North America, Europe, I think parts of South America and Africa too. Mm. Yeah, I don't know much about this, but I do know that there's a major eclipse happening tomorrow. Mm. A total eclipse across the entire United States, the... I guess the middle, yeah. So we were talking about observances for such a thing. Something that would be, you know, kind of more pagan, uh, earth-based. And you mentioned about the site of struggle between science and paganism. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we know what an eclipse is. I was saying that I don't know that I feel so excited about going out to watch the eclipse because a complete blotting out of the sun to the ancient mind doesn't seem like a very good omen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you just said the ancient mind, and I think that's the, the important distinction right there is that we don't have ancient minds. Uh but we are striving for a more nature-based sensibility. Mm-hmm. Does that sound good? Yeah. So we have a modern mind that understands why the eclipse is happening. But with that modern knowledge, we have lost a lot of our nature-based sensibility. Well, and what I think of when you say that is that, but we have an ancient soul mm. that yearns to have a place in the cosmos Mm -hmm. and it feels like this is a marker of something Mm -hmm. and so then the question becomes then well what would this be a marker of Mm -hmm. and so you can look at astrology anybody could go online right now and read a ton of stuff about well here's what you should be doing here's what it means um, for your sign yada yada but I that's not really the way I like to approach these kinds of major cosmic events Mm -hmm. I prefer to look at it as as what's the metaphor how, what mm-hmm. am I supposed to be looking at? So if the moon is completely covering the sun, what happens? It actually enables us to see the sun or the, the corona. It also enables us to see the cosmos better without the glare of the sun. Mm-hmm. So the context. So to me, I'm sitting here thinking, well what would I then be observing in my life about if the sun represents, um, full self-expression, 
essential self, being visible in the world for who we really are, etc. Mm. The moon covering it is talking about the shadow. Mm. And so when I am fully expressed, that comes at a cost to something somewhere or some other being. When all of my needs are met, someone or some being, meaning it could be the climate, it could be the uh, soil, it could be you know, it could be anything, mm-hmm. the oceans, the workers, the workers, the strangers, it, it comes at an expense somewhere. So that would be the shadow of my full expression mm-hmm. in broad strokes. Just mm-hmm. one at one way we could look at what would we be then <laughs> observing about the eclipse. So my thought was, okay, I, I was looking out at the garden and thinking we love our life, uh, here in the city <clears throat> But the reason we're really here and not out in the country with sheep and a few acres that I can look out at every day (laughs) and hear the bleating of my animal companions and have our own cow instead of a cow share and those kinds of things. (laughs) The reason we're doing this is because we're Mm co-parenting with with my ex, our daughter's dad. And we also love that. Mm -hmm. That's a a primary value for Mm -hmm. our family is we would never separate Mm -hmm. until of course she's able to, you know, she's like 20 or whatever. Mm -hmm. However, the bond that we have as a family, the, um, the lengths we go to, to keep strengthening our healthy attachments to each other and sort of, you know, keep clinging to this notion that it does take a village to raise a child, that we do need to stay together and in proximity and, you know, have talks over meals together and those kinds of things comes at a cost. She doesn't get sheep either. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to experience a life where she's working much closer to the seasonal rhythms. You know, we're very much in an urban life here. Mm-hmm. So how might we observe the costs? That seems like a nice way to approach. What am I going to do for the eclipse? Mm-hmm. How might we observe the costs? It's, um, hmm. it, as we just said, we, ju- we, just, we just mentioned the workers and the strangers. And that's a, uh, something that we often mention as sort of a grace at meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes and, from John O'Donohue, uh-huh. a, 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 a grace before meals or something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a misremembering of what John O'Donohue yeah, says. Yeah, we misremember <laughs> it. That's the line that really sticks out to us. Yeah. To the workers and the strangers. <laughs> Um, so we say that as kind of a grace, uh, and it's, it's interesting to think that a meal is something that you have three times a day. And so you might say, if, if you're that sort of person, you might say a grace three times a day, Mm -hmm. uh, which then it's, it's kind of a little thing. It's a small, uh, observance. Mm -hmm. Um, but an eclipse happens every few years or decades uh, to this sort of totality. Mm-hmm. And so it, it asks for a larger observance. Right. And One so, that's appropriate mm-hmm. to the scale of the event. In mm-hmm. a way. Or to the rhythm of the event, I would say. Mm-hmm. So like a, a, a new moon happens every month. Mm-hmm. But if an eclipse is a major new moon, <laughs> right? It's like it's really... Amplified, mm-hmm. and I, I don't really know when the next major one is, but I've read different things of you know the 
Mexico's Mona. Quit clacking away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, something about the appropriateness Mm -hmm. uh, of the observance for the rhythm Mm -hmm. of the occurrence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, an observance to scale, to a scale that suits the event. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so a, a reflection on the costs. I imagine many people will not like the word cost <laughs> in that. Well, they can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, it's, it's a, um, it certainly deserves some reflection, I think, in that our notion of capitalism is that everything always gets bigger and better, right? There, there isn't, the workers don't experience a cost, they experience a benefit, which is <laughs> money. <laughs> right. Uh, and and we, don't, we don't talk about the, you know, someone goes to work at their job and gets money, and we don't say, I paid my rent with the loss of my life. You know, I, uh, the loss of hours of my life. Yeah, with the yeah. loss of hours of my and life. And energy and health and mm-hmm. whatever else. Yeah, my landlord gets 100 hours of my life this month. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, so we, we just don't talk about it. We don't talk about the cost like that in our economic model. We talk about the benefits of money and material goods and freedom. But what a loss marks. that is because there's Indeed. something so... Um, precious then mm-hmm. about recognizing, uh, yeah, grief and absence <clears throat> and loss of all the things mm-hmm. that uh, are not happening or are happening to other people as a result of your choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that there's a kind of bittersweetness there mm-hmm. that I think enhances the value mm-hmm. of the thing then that we have chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also. Uh, a lot of environmentalists will uh, balk at the use of the word cost because sort of the modern bright green environmentalism um, wants to show a future of um, abundance. Utopia. Yeah, you know, that we can, we can have it all. We can have jobs in a forest that's teeming with birds and <laughs> mammals and... Uh, you know, all sorts Solar of life and, and yeah. wind turbines. Yeah, that farming doesn't have to mean the, the death of all the creatures that lived on that field beforehand. Oh, um, yeah, but it does. And that's the, yeah. that's the, that's the ache of it, mm-hmm. which is, again, the beauty of it, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, the dilemma of being human in this fucking age. Mm-hmm. You could say that at any time mm-hmm. in history, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, a almost um, lyrically unifying human trait mm-hmm. is to be able to say oh the fucking dilemma mm-hmm. Dan- we, can, we share that with everyone ever mm-hmm. Daniel Quinn has a, an essay called The New Renaissance mm-hmm. that he I, I think he beautifully describes this where he he says that about 200 species a day are going extinct mm-hmm. every day, day in and day out and where did they go and what he says is they became us so uh, you know X many centuries or decades ago, there were one billion humans on the earth, and then the population mm. doubled, and there were two, and then doubled in four, and now there's nearly eight. Mm. So the eight billion humans are where the 200 extinct species went. You know the daily, yeah, daily, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The from the plants and the 
animals. And, and so it's an honorable thing to remember that. Yes. <laughs> well, and it... Um, and it's uh, a shameful thing not to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just got to plug in for shame yeah. there, since I'm a big fan. <laughs> it... it uh, David Suzuki, uh, since now we're talking about <laughs> bringing in lots of big ideas here, uh, David Suzuki says that we are, we are made of salmon uh, mm-hmm. here in the Pacific Northwest. And, and he says the forests are made of salmon. Like he talks about how the, the intertwined life cycles of these animals. Yeah, like the eagle takes the salmon from the river and brings it up onto the shore and, uh, you know, eats half of it. And, and leaves the rest. And leaves the yeah. rest. And then other things come and the trees are absorbing that. And the same yeah. with the grizzlies, right? Yeah, they the take bears. it back to their cubs. And yeah. yeah, that becomes their scat, which becomes, yeah. you know, the forest floor. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so the, the, the rainforest itself is nourished with the bodies of salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of the... Um, and of course, we eat salmon now whenever possible. Yeah, we are salmon people. <laughs> yeah, we are salmon people. Um, but that uh, it's interesting because even for a uh, passionate and articulate environmentalist like Suzuki, uh, he's fallen to the charismatic animal problem. And so he says, we are salmon. And he doesn't say, we are 200 different species every single day, which That's would be right. just as true. Right. Every day, 200 new species becomes our bodies. Right. It might also, uh, it is interesting to say we are salmon as opposed to we are dead salmon. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> There's something that acknowledges the um, death and regeneration cycle in that that I feel is mm-hmm. also a little more. I guess it's a little less catchy for marketing, though. <laughs> we are dead salmon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hey, NGOs, uh-huh. right? We all have to earn our money somehow. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> uh-huh. so what, if you were going to observe the cost, so tomorrow's the eclipse, we'll get mm-hmm. our pinhole cameras, we'll be staring at the ground while the sun <laughs> is doing something behind us, uh, and, and perhaps there will be something else that you will be reflecting on or Mm -hmm. maybe something else you will be um, doing Mm -hmm. as part of that observance. Can you think of anything that would be, that would sort of land for you or feel right for you in your heart? Uh, It's interesting because as you asked that, the first image that came to my mind is the communion uh, with bread and wine Mm. uh, in which they are, you know, I guess uh, some people believe that they literally become the body of Christ in your mouth, but uh, let's say that they're the symbols of the body of Christ. The bread is a symbol of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a, a, that would also easily transfer into bread would be the symbol of the 200 species mm. every day. I see. Um, I guess I just kind of naturally incline towards food uh, as mm-hmm. part of observance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's kind of our way. That's uh, the yeah. small and delicious life, right? Yeah, yeah it, it is the small and delicious life, and it is very much our way. But I, I think that Suzuki has it right mm-hmm. in the notion that we are salmon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the old saying, we are what we eat, I think had different purposes than we use it for. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that notion of it's like, I am a recognition, and that would be a very... Uh, 
mournful recognition mm-hmm. that we are what we eat and what we eat is 200 species a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there's the um, gratitude and the, the remorse mm-hmm. all bound up together, mm-hmm. which I think is a very sacred space to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking, I, I, I don't, again, I don't really know very much about the, this particular eclipse, about how often it happens or anything like that. But um, I've been working a lot lately on um, ancestral healing, you could call it, like really connecting with um, ancestral energies, you know, from the more intellectual pursuits of uh, family tree mapping and things like that, but also, um, you know, researching, okay, if this is the land that my people came from, what was it like as far back as um, people can remember? Mm-hmm. And what what would the landscape have been like? What's their relationship with that? And so in doing that, bringing that back into my <coughs> modern uh, sensibilities and work, I've been doing a lot of um, attachment wound um, training mm. you know, around repatterning towards healthy, secure, earned attachment with people when you have had developmental trauma and attachment wounds and abandonment wounds and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So doing a lot of um, training around um, trauma recovery. And in one of the journeys that I took before I went for that big couple of weeks of training, uh, one of the ancestors in my journey said to me, you, you are healing 10 generations. Mm. You should take 10 ribbons and tie them to your ash tree in the yard, which is our, is the, we have an ash tree and it's, I consider it my, the ancestor's tree. And so I have little gifts and, you know, adornments and things that are there. I, I often, because it's, um, on the way to the rabbits, I often put my hand on the tree and sing a little, either the little bit of Gaelic, uh, Gaelic song that I know, or some of the Scottish folk tunes that I'm learning. And so part of me feels like, um, if the work that I'm doing right now in strengthening the bonds between um, each other, you know, with um, our child and her dad and and you and I, and trying to pivot away from that uh, that trauma, then the cost is so worth it. Hmm. But I might want to observe them with some ribbons on the tree hmm. that are specific to the things we're not doing that also feel mm-hmm. very close to my heart, that are very close to my values, that as soon as we can, we will start to raise up to a level of imperative instead <laughs> of, um, you know, wishing and dreaming for the one day. But, um, but maybe I would like to observe that those are some of the costs of doing the work of this ancestral healing, which is so much about repairing attachment wounds. Mm-hmm. So I think my eclipse will be about looking at the shadow, all the wounds that are there and mm-hmm. have been there, and being able to see better the work that I'm doing mm-hmm. by looking at the shadow. I can appreciate them better. Once the 
moon moves aside and the sun can come back out again, we can breathe a little more easily again, that it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I really do want to be doing this work. This is really important. This choice is really important to me. And there are times when I long for a different life. There are times when I lament that what feel like very compelling beautiful visions of a different life I could be living Mm. Um, when I feel sad for those it might be nice to have resolved that Mm -hmm. um, in a in a deeper way Mm -hmm. a more sacred way so they're not so charged with sadness but perhaps more with just um, yeah they're just located in a different organization kind of in my mind about this is the work I'm doing now Mm -hmm. that is the work I will do then Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, as I said earlier, I think some people may resist the word cost or the idea of cost. Um, and I, I, again, I feel like our culture right now, whatever that is, kind of a modern white North American progressive uh, I want to get something about like the, the caring industry. <laughs> okay, yeah, the, the, the progressive <laughs> the, the, left. Yeah, the of. caring industrial complex. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think may uh, resist the again the framing of cost as opposed to the framing of benefit. Now, I can't relate to uh, the resistance. <laughs> let me let me go on. Um, so I, I think I think there's a lot of people who will just they will want they will yearn to for us to focus on the benefits of our, um, of our say life of co-parenting and, and they will want us to dismiss or ignore or bury the costs of, of our choices. Or at least, um, diminish. Diminish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you've described that today as, uh, as looking at the shadow and as long as I've known you, which, uh, well, as, as long as we've been in relationship, uh, cause I've known in you for in romantic relationship. Right. Cause there was no hanky panky. <laughs> That's met. right. Yeah. yeah. We've known each other for a lot longer than we've been, um, together romantically. Uh, so as long as I've known you romantically and, and we started talking, uh, in that getting to know you sort of way, you've, you've said that you are, you're drawn to the shadow work. So can you just, talk a bit about that well now so uh i think a lot of people when they say shadow work they're they're thinking about i mean in shorthand things that are painful Mm -hmm. (laughs) right uncomfortable um difficult feelings you know um grief rage shame um those kinds of things. Failure, uh, failure is not a feeling, but the experiences of, mm-hmm. or the experience of death or the experience of separation, the experience of, um, flaw. Mm. Whereas now I just see that as truth. That's just truth. So I wouldn't say I'm drawn to the shadow mm. anymore. Mm. Now I would say I'm drawn to truth and, mm-hmm. and I enjoy a, a whole and encompassing truth. Mm. And Kelly deals who I admire greatly uh, wrote an essay that I read today uh, called There Is No Flawless Position. Mm. Perfect. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. There is mm. no flawless way to be in the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't, 
yes, I use the term shadow because mm-hmm. uh, it's useful from a Jungian perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also have to remember the golden shadow. You know, there. Yes, of course, there are strengths that come out of those dire times. But I, mm-hmm. I just, um, yeah. I mean, I just see even those strengths are an adaptation and uh, rooted in something that's just um, uncomfortable. But I, I really want to help people become more resilient emotionally. And so that means doing the quote unquote shadow work. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I just see it as truth, Mm -hmm. a a more complete, more whole, more accurate truth, Mm -hmm. more accurate mirroring of what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were talking about, um, uh, fine art earlier this morning. Mm -hmm. And it, it is interesting to think about the, famous paintings from the Renaissance or whatever that you would see in a museum and imagine just um, taking all the shadow out of the painting. If it's a still life of a bowl of fruit or something, and just if you could just kind of rub your shadow wand over it, it there would be nothing left but light. Yeah, crank your exposure (laughs) up to 100 on PicMonkey or Instagram. And of course, then the painting would be terrible. Absolutely. Caravaggio wouldn't even exist. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's true. Can I also, since we're now we're going back, I'm thinking fondly of what, what brought up the fine art mm. uh, today, mm-hmm. I think, originally, was uh, we were talking, I, I remembered The Gleaners and Me, mm-hmm. a fantastic film mm-hmm. from a very, I mean, I, w- I was going to say eccentric, but she's just French. She's just a <laughs> French woman, an older French woman who's done a lot of uh, interesting documentaries, but this one was particularly good from her. Uh-huh a number of years ago now, I guess. Her name was Agnes Varda. Agnes Varda. And so it, it has European pacing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the cleaners in me is... Okay, why don't you describe it? It's one of my I, favorites. I don't know that I can describe it. So she, um, she interviews a bunch of people who are gleaning food. So and in, in France. In France. So in France, there's uh, very ancient laws that permit gleaners uh, radical access after harvest. Okay, so gleaners. I think mm-hmm. we need to... Because okay. people say, oh, you could glean information. But, right. but yeah. I don't think in our modern parlance we use glean... As an agricultural way, verb. Exactly, as an agricultural <laughs> verb yeah. to which it is actually mm-hmm. ascribed, right? Okay. So to glean is uh, after fruit falls or after harvest. After harvest, yeah. You glean stuff that it, that is left over yeah. or that was sort of B-grade or, or mm-hmm. you know, ugly vegetables mm-hmm. like they have in supermarkets and right. in Europe now. Yeah. So gleaning is to go in and pick up things that are free, which we've done a lot mm-hmm. in our city and in our neighborhood. We, mm-hmm. we had one year of, I think, 700 pounds of gleaned apples mm-hmm. just from within like 10 blocks of our yeah. house kind of thing and yeah. made um, amazing apple cider. So the gleaners are are people today mm-hmm. in France who can go into vineyards or even greenhouses. greenhouses yeah. You can go right in. Mm-hmm. So private property is private, but the food that it produces, if it is left, it, mm-hmm. it should not go to rot and that becomes public. Mm-hmm. So you can go, I mean, I just fucking love this. Yeah. So that's the, that's the radical, uh, the radical French law, which I, uh, you know, I was so struck by it because that's certainly not allowed in North America. Like that, no. that you are allowed right. 
private property owners are forbidden from stopping you yes. from entering their property in order to glean. But there's pushback now, <laughs> yeah. particularly in the larger industries, mm-hmm. like in the vineyards right. or, um, you know, they, they had the potato folks. But so she goes around, Agnes Varda goes around and interviews modern day gleaners, mm-hmm. both in um, rural and urban mm-hmm. um, uh, France and mm-hmm. and she's pursuing a piece of art mm-hmm. called the gleaners mm-hmm. and now i'm going to have to look up who it is it starts mm-hmm. with an m what's it no uh, yeah i'm going to blank in this moment i'm going to blank in this moment on the artist but yeah. i'm going to find it and put it in the show notes okay and uh, she is trying to find this this painting beautiful oil painting eventually she gets to see it mm-hmm. but the beautiful thing that happened to you and I we'd seen the, the the film we'd really enjoyed it France is amazing we ended up going to Europe for two months for our honeymoon mm-hmm. I was doing workshops in different parts of northern Europe but then went to study with my intuition development teacher Judy in France we thought we we're going to spend a month there and we go into uh, the Musée d'Orsay and we're just walking through, walking through. We come around the corner. I'm going to get choked up. And what do we see but the gleaners? Mm-hmm. It was the most beautiful piece of art in my heart mm-hmm. because I understood what it was saying about our um, ways that we could be together mm-hmm. as humans ways that we could share mm-hmm. and the values that that could um, help structure how we're going to live together. Mm-hmm. That everybody has a right to eat and nobody has a right to uh, um, stockpile mm-hmm. more than they are able. Nobody has a right to uh, deny anyone else eating if they are not eating mm-hmm. that food. I mean, that is a beautiful way to structure Mm-hmm. society, community, mm-hmm. um, a neighborhood, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So to walk around the corner and, and, and actually he has many paintings of the harvest. He has mm-hmm. one of everybody stopping in, in the field and, uh, it's listening to the church bells mm-hmm. and they all are prayerful, um, at, in sort of an evening, um, uh, must've been Vespers or something, or maybe it's mm-hmm. dawn. I don't know. I'd have to look mm-hmm. at it again, but he has several of, um, Mm-hmm. Women and men harvesting mm-hmm. in wheat fields and things mm-hmm. like that in France. Uh, see, it, like <laughs> I don't know how that relates to the eclipse, other than um, what are the costs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and as a, uh, a side note, I, I think Varda does go on in that film about the light and the shadow in the painting, mm-hmm. uh, yes. and and there's sort of threat and promise as well. I, I think it's that painting that there's. Like the threat of, um, I believe the gleaners are picking up wheat grains from the soil uh, in advance of kind of like a thunderstorm or a yes. rainstorm that's coming. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of, uh, there's there's the promise of the food and the threat of the rain coming and uh, the light and the shadow. and It's so perfect. Yes. It's so perfect. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward now to uh, enjoying the eclipse with you. Mm-hmm. I totally was not keen on it. Uh, I was like, I don't know, this feels like a, a, a dark portent. And, mm-hmm. But then I really had to think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad we took the time to be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I look forward to our new observances tomorrow. I think it's always nice to 
reflect with the people that we love on how we're marking the passage of time as we move through the wheel of the seasons, as we get into rhythm with the cosmos. What kind of rituals and observances are the most important and dear to us right now? What are we marking? How are we letting our life speak back to the cosmos? So thanks for spending time with me and Reuben around the breakfast table on a Sunday morning. I would also like to give a deep thanks to the people in Wales who are listening. I think in Welsh you would say shwamai for like a hi, how's it going, informal hello. Shwamai. If you would like to spend more time with me and Reuben, we do lead 12-day wilderness quests in the mountains. We'll be leading one in uh, June of 2018. If you'd like more information about that, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A, and sign up for my newsletter. Until next time, take care.